All right, let's go ahead and start a brand new series. We're going to be starting today. It's going to be out a four-week series unless something strange happens. But the title of the series is Around the Table. Around the Table. I, I don't know about you, but as I kind of grew up, the table was a very central part of my home growing up. I mean, we would, obviously, we would, we would hang out there, we would eat there, we would spend time there. I remember several times uh, punishments being laid down there. Uh, it, was, it was an important part of our family unit as far as what we experienced, and, and, and it had memories around it. I mean, Thanksgivings and, and, and Christmas dinners and birthdays and all these sort of things really centered around the concept of a table. I know that, that my wife always talks about the table that, that her family had growing up and, and where that table is now and all these sort of things. The table is really an interesting part of our lives. It's kind of woven into the fabric of our society and our culture. And although I think that sometimes the, the table has kind of been kind of not as important as it used to be, it's still a major part of, of who we are as people, as who God created us to be. There's, there's family around the table. There's community around the table. I mean, think of it this way. You invite somebody over to your house. Typically, it's around a meal and around a table and around the experiences that take place there. And in this series, we're going to really kind of begin to look at some of these things together. We're actually going to be in Luke 14 for the majority of the series, if not all of it. We'll kind of jump around a little bit, but our real main area of text is, is going to be Luke 14. And here's the thing about, about Jesus in this same kind of thing. We see Jesus a lot of different places. We see him uh, on mountainsides. We see him uh, by the Sea of Galilee. We see him in towns. We see him in the country. We see him traveling. But quite honestly, the place that we see Jesus most is probably around tables. Jesus talked with people at tables. He taught people at tables. He did miracles at tables. He did amazing things. And he met around tables with so many different people. He met with what the society felt was kind of the highest end of society, but he also sometimes ate with what they considered to be the lowest rung of society. But Jesus, as you look at the Gospels, as you look at the stories of Jesus, you find him around the table a lot. A lot of things happen around the table in the Gospels. And so as we kind of look at this, as we kind of begin to look at Luke 14, where do we find Jesus? Where do we see him as this chapter really opens up? Well, let's look at it. Luke 14, the first verse says this. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of the leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. The whole setting of this series is Jesus around a table, him talking with people around the table, him talking with, in some ways, you see kind of the high end of society, the Pharisees, the, the religious elite, but also kind of the normal people, just kind of looking in and seeing, who is this guy really about? What, what is he really all about? And it takes place around a table. Before we really jump into this, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Jesus, as we start this new series, God, I pray that you would just help us to see some things that you desire to show us this morning. That, Father, you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what he wants to say. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this morning we're going to maybe do something a little different. Not something that we haven't done before but something that we maybe don't do every Sunday. I don't know if we're going to continue down this road in the series. 
I know kind of where we're going, but I'm not exactly sure how each week is going to actually be spoken out, if that makes sense. But this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of hone in on a parable of Jesus. We're going to spend our majority of our time looking at one of these parables that Jesus tells around the table. And it's about a banquet. It's about a moment in time where Jesus begins to to share this. And it's in Luke 14, but I want to kind of give you the context first before we get into this parable. Because if we don't understand the context, we're going to miss part of what Jesus is really trying to help us to see through his word this morning. So as I stated, in in Luke 14, Jesus is around the table. He's in this moment where he is beginning to have conversations with the Pharisees. They begin to ask him questions. They begin to talk about things. And even so, as as Luke 14 continued, Jesus begins to teach about this idea of humility. He talks about this concept of, hey, listen, if you get invited to a feast, don't expect or think that you get to sit at the head table or basically what he calls the place of honor. During this time, there was this concept of, of, of basically the seat of honor. We see it kind of argued about by John and James in other Gospels where they say, Hey, Jesus, I want to sit at your right hand. That was the seat of honor, basically. And so Jesus is basically, excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> that hasn't happened in a while. Somebody once asked, Aaron, why do you always bring your Yeti up here? Because you don't ever drink it. There you have it. For one time of the year. Um, <laughs> so, so Jesus is talking and he's saying, listen, don't, don't go to the head place. You know, don't do that. Because basically what will happen possibly is you're maybe not the guest of honor. And then the host is going to come to you and go, oh, hey, listen, you're in the wrong seat. I'm going to need you to move. And basically Jesus kind of talks about humility and understanding that. And how basically he's wanting everybody to understand, listen. In this concept or in this context, listen, if you try to elevate yourself, the host or God is going to probably bring you down. But if you allow yourself to be humble, God will lift you up. We talked about that a couple weeks ago now. And so that's kind of this context. So so Jesus is already kind of getting them in this mindset of not only being at a table or being at a banquet, but even the context of this story is kind of where these people's heads are at. So that's kind of where we're at as we kind of get to basically what we're going to be talking about this morning. Our text is basically going to be Luke 14, 15 through 23. Okay. So after Jesus has taught on this idea of of banquets and inviting people that you should invite and all these things, basically this guy kind of pipes up. And here's the thing. The context of this moment is kind of one of like, you ever ever know the guy that's like doesn't like the, the awkward pause or silence in life? So they, they, they don't like that. So they'll just say something. And sometimes it's, a, you know, really, really good. And other times it's like, oh, wow, you just need to be quiet. The, the, the silence was fine, okay? We have this guy here in Luke, okay? In Luke 15, we start to see him respond. So listen to what he says. Hearing this, hearing this idea of humility and, and, and how we should look at these things, a man sitting at the table with Jesus, here we are again, at the table with Jesus, exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now let's talk about who this guy is. We're going to dive a little deeper into some of this scripture this morning, okay? This individual is sitting at the table. Who would be sitting at the table of a Pharisee? It wouldn't be the common folk. It wouldn't be the tax collectors or the quote-unquote sinners. It's another Pharisee. That's who's invited to this table. So one of these religious elites pipes up 
and basically changes, kind of trying to change the subject from the, the temporal to something a little more eternal, but not in a good way. Because Jesus here is trying to help them see the eternal through the temporal. And he's basically saying, I don't like what you're saying right now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically shift over to something that I feel more comfortable with, which is basically this banquet that I believe that I'm going to be at. This banquet that the lowly people won't be invited to, the Gentiles won't be invited to, but me, being super spiritual Pharisee man, will be at. He's trying to impress Jesus a little bit here. And then because of that, Let's start, we're going to look at the entire section here. We're going to go through 16 through 23, and then we're going to come back and look at it in more depth. So here's what it says, Luke 14, starting with verse 16. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field that I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what uh, they had said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. Later on in this series, we're going to look a little deeper into kind of the end of that and, and the response of the master. We'll talk a little bit about it today, but I'm not going to get too much into it because I don't want to kind of rob that message in a couple weeks. But, but, but I do want to look deeply at this parable. I want us to see why Jesus is telling us this. Why, why is this happening now? Why is this being spoken around this table what is Jesus trying to get us to see? So, so here's the first thing that we need to understand about this parable as it really begins and as Jesus kind of lays the groundwork for us to understand it. The first thing is this. It's quite simple. The table is set. Okay? The table is set. Look with me again. Luke 14, 16 through 17. This is what it says. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Now, I, I, you have to understand the context of this story and what people there would have understood that sometimes we can miss, okay? They don't walk around with these things on their wrists, and they don't have them readily available on things in their pocket. Okay, time was something quite different during Jesus' time. So you wouldn't say, like, like if you get an invitation today in the mail, if, I, if I'm saying, hey, I want to throw a, a party, I want to have people come, I will basically write out or send out an invitation, and I'll give you a couple of important things about that. I'll tell you the date, but I'll also tell you the time, okay? Back then, they didn't have clocks like we do today. And so what would happen was the date would be announced long before, but the time would not be announced 
until the, everything was ready and on the day. So basically, it was basically like this. Listen, next two weeks from today, we're going to have a party. I'm going to throw a banquet. I'll let you know when. Now, here's also how this would work. I'm going to kind of give you a cultural understanding of, of the Jewish mindset during this time. When those invitations were sent out, people, even without the time, would either basically say they could be there or not. Okay? We see later on the master getting really, really mad. Like, well, that's kind of rude. Why is he getting mad? It's really simple. Because for them to have had this situation, the way Jesus is telling the story, they've already accepted the invitation. Okay? This is very important to understand, to understand the rest of the parable. So basically, when this situation happens, a man prepares a great feast. He sends out many invitations. Stop there. Verse number 16. So that's we, we get that. Okay? But when it's 17, everything has now been ready. The servant is not going to go out to invite people that already know and have already accepted. He's simply going to tell them, it's time. It's time to come. Also, during this time, man, you wanted to be invited to this stuff. I mean, this was major. This was an honor. This was, man, the master's throwing a feast. I got to be there. This is a big deal. And so you can tell, oh boy, this is great. And they're all excited. And so now the servant goes, guess what? It's ready. Everything is ready. Isn't it interesting that in our time, in our life today, you know what I sometimes feel Jesus is doing with us? He's been sending out invitations and he's going, listen, I've made it all ready. The banquet is set. The table's ready. How many of you have ever, you know, been around Thanksgiving time and maybe you, you're going to go over to a friend's house for Thanksgiving or a family member and you kind of walk in and you kind of, there's going to, one of two things going to happen in that moment. You either walk in and make everything set. The table's cloths out. The nice china is out. The, you know, you walk in and you're like, oh man, everything's prepared. You walk in, you get the smell of, of turkey or mashed potatoes or whatever you eat at Thanksgiving. And you're like, man, it's time. It's ready. And you're ready. How many of you, but you've gone to other places and maybe, and it's like you come in and there's nothing on the table and there's, there's chaos in the kitchen and somebody's running through with a frozen turkey still. And it's like, don't worry, we'll eat by 10 o'clock tonight. You know what I mean? You're not real confident in that moment, are you? You're like, what's open on Thanksgiving? Oh no, like maybe the Golden Corral, that may be it, we're in trouble. You know what I mean? But you don't, they're not ready. You realize that one of the great things about what Jesus has done, one of the great things that we celebrate today by taking communion is God is looking at you and me and saying, listen, it is already, I've already done it. The banquet is set. Jesus has set the table. He's put it all out there. The invitations have been set. And here's the thing, when you really look about the context of this particular story, these are people that have already accepted the invitation. These are people that in some ways you could say these are people that already know Jesus. These are the Christians, folks. Now, I know that may shock some of you because it's really easy to look at these stories and go, oh, well, that's probably the unsaved. No, these are people that have accepted the invitation because the servant wouldn't go tell them it's ready if they hadn't accepted it. 
Jesus has made it all ready for us. The problem is, for some of us, we forget the honor and the greatness of the banquet. And more importantly, we miss who's throwing it and who's at the table. But look what Jesus has done for you. Look how he's already set the table. It's found really close, right here in Romans 5. Some of you have heard this verse a lot. Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless. I love that. I love how the, NLV, or the NLT kind of translates this verse. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But look at verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were in mess, when we were hopeless, when we were broken, when we, were, we, just, we couldn't know where to turn, Jesus is basically calling out and saying, listen, the table is set. Everything has been made ready. Time to come to the feast. Time to come and enjoy the feast. Unfortunately, though, is in the parable and in our lives, we tend to forget that it's really something amazing to be at the table with Jesus. Or maybe you're like some people that, that we kind of take the table of Jesus and the banquet of Jesus and, and the community of Jesus to be with him. And also, we kind of look at it kind of as like a something that God never intended for it to be. Have you ever been to one of those parties, and I don't go to these sort of things because they have things called finger foods? You know what finger foods are? That is the most, that is the silliest name for everything. That's, it's, 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 it's like, it's like, it's girly. There's like cucumber things. I've seen them. I, you know, I've, I've watched movies with my wife where they have, because I, I don't get invited to these things. It's, it's just better for everybody, okay? You know, and they're like, oh, we're going to have... Listen, I think it was... Because this, this shows I love my wife very, very much, even before we were married. I sat down with her and we watched Anne of Green Gables. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that won her over. Yeah. And maybe this is another... Maybe, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was... I, I watched lots of movies when I was trying to convince her to, to marry me, which is... I needed a lot of help, you know? And I think they had cucumber sandwiches in one of those movies. Which, Josh, I think you and I are the same wavelength. Like, that is, that is neither acceptable, okay, or good in any way, shape, or form. That's a pickle, okay? And that's acceptable in these things, you know? But we kind of have this, this idea. Now, now, listen, I don't know what you think about when you think of the word banquet. But it's not one of these, like, I guess they're called maybe, maybe tea parties? Mm, I'm, I'm a guy, I don't know. But, but they're, they're, those are not, I don't have the same visual Okay? Like when I think of a banquet, I'm thinking of like mainly like a lot of meat, okay? I'm thinking of just, I mean, Thanksgiving on steroids. You get what I'm saying? I mean, one of these big old long tables and just food everywhere and just all. And like, I want to sit down at that table and I want to feast. You know? But some of us, we, we kind of look at what Jesus is doing and what God wants to do, and it's kind of like we want to graze. We, we want, here, here's the table. God's put it out, and we kind of come up and we go, yes, I'll take this. And then we walk off. And, and, and then, then something bad happens. Oh, okay, I need to go back to the table, and we get this. 
we, we, we don't stay at the table. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about in this series is this concept that when we understand what the table of Jesus really is, it, it's a place that, that, that God wants us to come and, and just feast on Him. Just, just, just to allow Him to just, to just pour more and more and more in. But for some of us, we just, we just want just enough. We just want just enough. And here's the deal. Can I, can I be honest with you? If you eat physically just enough or drink just enough, you will stay alive, but you will be absolutely unable to do much of anything else. God has not called us as people, as Christians, as His church, to just have enough of Him to survive. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be mighty in His Word and His understanding so that we can go forth and accomplish the things that He wants us to do. How do you grow? How do you get bigger? How do you do those things? You sit at His table and you feast on the Word of God. You feast in His presence. You feast in the relationship that He has for you and for me. But listen, you will never be able to do that if all you do is go grab a cucumber sandwich and walk off. Amen. We'll miss it. We'll miss it. It's so important because here's what happens in the story. The same thing that sometimes happens with us, the excuses begin. Everything has been made ready. Remember, what have the invited individuals done? Nothing. The only thing they've done is they've accepted the invitation. They didn't prepare the feast. They didn't pay for the feast. They didn't do anything for the feast. All they were, they just got invited and they accepted it. But now the excuses begin. Look at Luke 14. Here we are again. 14, 18 through 20. It says, but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field. I must expect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another says, I now have a wife, so I can't come. Maybe you've heard this story before, you've heard these excuses before, but let's look a little bit deeper. Let's spend a little bit of time looking a little bit deeper at each of these excuses so that we can see in our own lives if at times we make the same excuses. Because these are pretty popular excuses, if that makes sense. So the first thing, the first person, the person that bought the field uses the excuse of the preoccupation of material things. He uses the excuse that, that the material things are too on his mind to spend the time at the feast. He says, I bought a field. Now, first of all, here's the one thing we're going to talk about. The first and the second person, you're already dealing with people that are not real smart. Okay? You're already dealing with someone that's pretty foolish. How do we know that? Simple. They bought oxen and they bought land and neither of them actually tried them out. Neither of them actually spent the time necessary to find out, hey, I, was like, I, I bought some land, I'm going to go see if it's any good. You know what that is? That's, that's hey, listen, you know, that's the guy that I want to find that say, listen, I got some really nice oceanfront property here in Colorado for you. That's what that's like. You go, oh, that's silly. Yes, this is silly what this guy's doing. He's like, oh, I, I just bought a field, I got to go see, you know, if it's worth anything. It's like, the, why did you buy the field? The second guy, oh, I gotta, I gotta get some oxen, see if they're any good. You just bought them. It doesn't matter if they're good, they're yours. So you're already dealing with these first two with some really big foolishness, okay? But, but, but the first guy is really focused on this material stuff. It's like, I bought this field, I gotta check it out. This is more important than the banquet. 
We tend to do that, don't we? We tend to allow our lives to say that. Yeah, I, I, I would do this or I would do that for God, but you know what? I can't because these things are more important. I got to have this or I got to have that. Or, you know, if I don't have this or that, then, then things aren't going to go well for me or I'm just not going to be happy in life or whatever it may be. But the banquet has been offered. And he's going, you know, I, I need to be excused. He was too preoccupied with material things. The next person, the person that bought the oxen, uses the excuse of the preoccupation of new experiences. Okay, now remember, he's already bought the oxen. They're not going anywhere. The land, I have never ever in my life seen land raise itself up and run away. After the banquet, these things are going to be around. But you know what? I want to try it out. I want to see it new. I want to experience the new. I want to see what this is like. That really speaks of someone that really kind of goes back to that concept of kind of has already been at the table. And so, uh, I'll just go get a little something-something. But man, we can be so preoccupied with the new experiences of life that we forget what we really need in life. So he, he uses this idea of, well, oh, I got to try them out. I got to see how it is. I got I to experience this. Instead of going to the Father who loves him, who has something so much greater. The last one, the last one, the, the person that just got married uses the excuse <clears throat> of the preoccupation of good things. Good things. He got married. That's great. That's awesome. That's exciting. But he still misses the banquet. You see, here's the thing I've learned. There are a lot of really, really good things in our lives. And just because they're good doesn't mean they're best. You say, Aaron, how do I understand what's best? That's where discernment comes in. That's where spending time at the Lord's table comes in. Because here's the thing. This man being married was not a bad thing at all. What became problematic is that he used it as a reason to miss God's best for his life. We can tend to do that, can't we? Well, this is good. This is good. And listen, that's, that's, this is one of the harder ones to really wrestle with. Because we can all get behind, yeah, I probably shouldn't let material things keep me from the, the Lord's table. Yeah, I probably shouldn't let experiences, whether they're new or old, keep me from the Lord's table. But, but Aaron, what about these good things? What about these things that, are, that aren't bad at all? You know, I'm not going to get too much into it today because we're going to have a whole Sunday about it. But as you continue on in verses, uh, basically 25 going on in verses, uh, chapter 14, Jesus begins to talk about the cost of being a disciple. He begins to say some hard things to hear. He starts saying things, and we're not going to get into it, but, but basically he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Boy, that's going to be a fun Sunday. <laughs> and we'll dive into that, and we'll look at that and understand what Jesus is really saying here. But here's the thing. Don't let the good things rob you from the best things. Don't let the good things keep you from what God's best is for you. 
don't miss those things. Listen, I love you. I care for you. And I want your life to be full of the best things of God, not just the good things of God. Because here's what I've learned. When we will focus in on the best things, when we will sit down at the table of the Lord and experience the best things of God, God in His goodness, grace, and just the fact that He's just absolutely amazing, still gives us the good things. Because here's the thing. He just got married. What's the best thing He could do for His marriage? Get at the table of Jesus. Learn how to be a husband. Learn how to be like Jesus. Learn how to treat his wife the way that Christ treats the church. To be the leader in his home. That's the best thing he could do for his wife. But he settled for the good. He settled for the good. But these excuses all seem to come and they rob us. Look at John 15, 22. This is interesting. Jesus here says, this is Jesus speaking, they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. What's I, what do I, to kind of bring this together, help us make sense, I, I would say this, they would not be guilty if they had not already in, been invited. And maybe even one step further, accepted the invitation. But now, they have no excuse for their sin. We love excuses. We love excuses. But there's no excuse. So now let's go on. Let's continue on in the story. Let's look at the master's desire. Let's look at what the master really wants. Once again, Luke 14. Luke 14, starting with verse number 21. So the servant returns and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported there's still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. I love that. Because we, Jesus gives us a glimpse here of his Father. And in obvious as well, himself and the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing we forget sometimes. We can be a little, let's be honest, we can be a little self-absorbed, can't we? We think that if, you know, if we don't show up, the banquet isn't happening. You realize that the banquet's happening whether you show up or not. Why? Because it's already prepared. The banquet is it, it's, it's here. And God is saying, listen, I want my house full. I want people here. I want people to accept this unbelievable invitation to come. And so he doesn't look at it. He doesn't go, well, this person's not good enough, or this person is, or hey, make sure you only invite the cream and the crop of society. No, what's he say? He basically, in this context of this, and the understanding of his hearers at this time, basically what this master is saying is, listen, he goes, listen, go to the slums. Go to the areas where everyone is just horrible, terrible, miserable. And get those people to come. You say, Aaron, what do you mean? The fact that he specifically names people that have physical problems. They're blind. They're lame. They have these issues. People at that time looked at people that were dealing with those things and basically said the reason why they were experiencing those things was because God was cursing them. These weren't just people that were just... These were people that the religious elite looked at as not only the 
bottom of the bottom. But people that God, in their minds, was literally punishing. And what's the master say? Go bring them in. I mean, this, listen, you need to understand this. Maybe you've heard this story before. This would have been mind-boggling to his hearers. Wait, wait a minute. You mean you want, the master wants that person at this table? And the answer is yes. Yes. You know, I, I can state stay categorically without any hesitation that there is nothing you have ever done that God will look at you and say, you know what, you've done too much, you can't sit at my table. You could never say, oh, God would not welcome me. No, God would welcome you. He who sent out his servants, he sent out his son to say, listen, it doesn't matter if you're broken. It doesn't matter if you're blind. It doesn't matter if you're hurting. It doesn't matter if you're depressed. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with all these things. You still have a place at my table. Still have a place. And God forgive me and God forgive us when we forget that when we look at others. Oh, yes, I, I belong at the table. But him, oh no, God forgive us. Because then, Jesus, if their minds weren't blown enough, he takes it one step further. He says, now, now I want you to go out to the country lanes. I want you to go out to the, the hedges and urge, check this out, Anyone you find, guess who's out in the country lanes? Guess who's out in the hedges? Guess who um, anyone you know, is talking about? You ready for this? Anyone. Now again, we have to get ourselves back into that Jewish mindset. Who was hearing him at this table? Everyone means the Gentiles. Everyone means the Romans. Wait, wait, wait. Everyone means the pagans. Everyone means everyone. They have a place at the table. That's our God. You want to talk about the mercy, the grace, the goodness of our God? Everyone's invited. I love this verse, 2 Peter 3 9. 2 Peter 3 9 says this The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting, oh, look, anyone again to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, it's in your notes. One of the great things about God's table is there is always room for more. There's always room for more. You know, there's always room for more. And that's his desire. You know, that's his hope. That's his want. He wants that for everyone. Even the people you don't like. 
even the people that rub you the wrong way, even the people that have hurt you and done horrible things, yeah, even them, is that hard to understand? Yeah, God's ways are higher than our ways. But his desire is that his table is full. His desire is that everyone has the opportunity to come and sit at his table. So good to realize that and understand that. So as we bring this to a close, let's, let's do a little application. Let's do a little things that, so how can we apply and understand this parable? Okay. First thing. First thing we all need to understand and also apply is all of us have been invited to an amazing table that has been prepared for us. You didn't prepare the table, okay? Like a lot of times we, we live our lives, and I've met so many people in my life who get that wrong. They think, I got to prepare the table. I got to get it ready. And then Jesus comes and sits at my table. That is not biblically correct. God has prepared the table. God has made everything ready. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the table has been spread. It's time. It's ready. Our job is just to simply come to it. But here's the thing we tend to do. We say, oh, I'm not dressed appropriately. I don't have the right gift to bring. I don't have... Listen, the invitation wasn't that you had to have all these things. It was just simply saying, the dinner is ready. The banquet's ready. Come. Just come. Just come. Number two. It's very easy to become preoccupied and miss out on the feast. It's so easy. It's so easy to just, so many things get busy and time happens. Look, I, look, I get it. What, you don't think I don't get preoccupied sometimes too? Of course I do. There's times where I miss what God has prepared for me because I'm so busy with other things. And God has to gently, lovingly tap me on the shoulder and say, Aaron, listen, I know what you're doing. You may think is good, but you're missing the best thing. Don't miss the best thing. Don't miss that. Don't get so preoccupied with other things that you miss the feast, that you miss those opportunities to just sit at the table of God and have him just lavish himself on you. Have those moments where it's just like everything else stops and it's just you and him. Don't get so preoccupied with things because here's the deal. More than likely what you're preoccupied with is not the best thing. Maybe good. Maybe good. But not the best. Not the best. Number three. Two more. Number three. God has a place at the table for all of us. Place at the table for all of us. How many of you have ever been to, um, you know, uh, and maybe, I, I, mean, I know I've been thinking, uh, talking a lot about Thanksgiving. Um, that's, maybe I'm hungry, I don't know, you know. I like Thanksgiving, you know, that's a, you know, like, awesome. But you ever been to a Thanksgiving or maybe, maybe a meal of some kind and you kind of, you kind of, you, you, you get your food or whatever and 
And, you know, it's not one of those, you know, sometimes you go and everything's on the table, but this is like maybe one of those, I always call it like a buffet line in the kitchen, you know? So you go get your food and then you go to sit at the table and you kind of walk in and there's chairs everywhere and tables set up and all this sort of stuff and you're like, ah, where do I sit? You know, you're kind of like, ah. You know, it's kind of like back to, like, is there a seat of honor today in our culture? You know, where, where's the host going to sit? Where's, where's, you know, this person going to sit? You know, and you're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to plop down here and hopefully I'm right, you know? That's one thing. I mean, that's kind of a little uncomfortable and you're kind of like, am I in the right spot? How many of you, though, have gone to those things and they have name tags or name plate, you know? You know, it's like you look and you go, oh, there's my place. And you know where to sit. Now, I remember as a kid when, like, my family would do that, you know, around Thanksgiving, I'm like, why? There's, like, there's five kids and, you know, six adults. You know, are, we, are we really having this hard of a time figuring out where to sit down, you know? Especially when we had a kid's table and an adult table. I mean, you know, it was really easy, you know? But as I've gotten older, I've understood maybe that that's why it's kind of nice. You realize that at God's table, there's a place for you. It's got your name on it. No, Aaron, that can't be. Oh, yes, it can. There's an, if you, listen, if you're not at the table, maybe you've never accepted that, there's a place for you. God has a reserved spot for you. And it's not one of these, well, if no one else shows up, maybe you can sit here. No, 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 no. That's not how our God works. Your spot is reserved. It's there. It's, you're ready. If you have already accepted that invitation, but you've kind of gone away, you know, listen, hear me here. You still have a spot at the table. It's been reserved for you. It's been prepared for you. Remember, it's already been prepared. You just have to accept it. You just have to say, that's my seat. But we all have a place. The final thing. At this feast, it isn't important where you sit or what is on the table. The most important thing is who is at the table. So many times in the Gospels we see this. Jesus just talked about it in Luke 14. People got so wrapped up on where they were sitting. Am I in the right spot? Am I in the most honorable spot? Am I in the least honorable spot? All those things mattered so much. And here's the thing I would say in our culture today, the seating arrangement isn't as important, but I'll tell you what is, what's on the table sure is. You know, God, I'll sit at your table if you bless me. I'll sit at your table if you do things my way. If you follow my plan, my desire, what I want for my life, then you know what, God? I'll sit at your table all day long. Can I, can I be helpful and honest with you? You ready? No matter what you want on God's table, God has a spread that's better than you could ever dream or imagine. I don't know how many times I've sat there and go, God, you know, I'll sit at your table if you do it my way. I'll sit at your table if you, if you accomplish this in my life or help me do that in my life. 
God, if you will help this individual realize how wonderful I am, then God, I'll sit at your table all day long. And thankfully, in God's loving kindness, he kind of plays like my mom did when I was growing up. No, no, this is what I've prepared. This is what you're going to eat. And you know, oh, wrong. I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't, uh, 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 uh. And you know how silly as I just looked right then? How silly do we look in front of our God? Who goes, uh, listen, you don't know what you're going to have for lunch today. I think I know what I can put on the table for you, son. And it's been so amazing that even in his loving kindness, God doesn't take away my nameplate. He says, Aaron, just sit down. Just sit down and begin to feast on what I have. And when I finally get enough brain power understand that he's God and I'm not and I sit down and I begin to partake of what God has, has produced for me and God has laid aside for me and that God has for me. You know what? It's awesome, but at the same time I go, God, I am so sorry for being so dumb because it's always better. Why is it better? Because who's providing it? The greatest thing at this table is not where you're sitting, it's not what's on it, it's who's sitting with you. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what matters the most. You go, Aaron, why should I be at this table? Why, why, why around this table? Why, why, why? It's real simple, because Jesus is at the table. Jesus is at the table. I hope your wife, I hope your husband, I hope your kids, I hope your family, I hope they're at the table too. And that's awesome if they are. And if they're not, we need to work and help them to see how awesome it is to accept that invitation. But bottom line, Jesus is at the table. That's enough. It's enough. What's so sad about this parable is how it ends. What's so sad about this parable is that in some ways, at one point in time, not right now, thankfully, not right now. Today is the day of salvation. Thank, thank the Lord. But one t- at some point, the banquet hall doors are going to close. Listen to what Jesus, how he ends the story. Verse 24, it's not in your notes, it's not on the screen, just listen. The master has spoken how he wants his house full. And then he says, for none of those I first invited will even get, will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. That's serious. That's serious stuff. You know, as we go through this series together, I'm going to be honest with you, there's going to be some stuff that's going to be hard to swallow. But Jesus here is wanting us to understand how important this invitation is, how awesome it is to sit at the table. And here's what's great about it, how easy it is to just simply accept the invitation. But so many of us find other reasons and other things, and, and we miss it. 
we miss it. Can we do, do me a favor? Can we all just close our eyes and just bow our heads? Let's just spend a kind of moment. It's just quiet. I got a couple, couple of real quick questions because this, this is not necessarily all that complicated and all that deep. I think we can all really understand this, this picture. That's what parables are. They're just awesome because Jesus is showing us so many different things by this one little story. But I just really have two questions. One, if there's anybody here that's never accepted the invitation to the banquet, maybe you've been like some that are like, you know, I'm too crippled, I'm too blind, I'm too much of an outsider, that God would never want me at his table. Listen, in all due respect, you're wrong. Yeah, that, that's, that's, for some reason in our culture, that's kind of strong. <laughs> but you are. You're wrong. Jesus says the opposite. And I trust him. He said, go and invite them all. You're a part of the all. And I'll take it one step further. You have a name card in front of a seat at the table. It's already been prepared. Your job isn't to prepare yourself. Your job isn't to clean yourself up. It's not, well, if I could just get all these areas of my life in order, then I would be available. No, 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 no. You have to show up. How do we show up? It's simple. We accept his love, his forgiveness, his grace. We give our life to him. And we sit down at the table. And at that table, we experience transformation. At that table, we experience relationship. At that table, we experience the closeness that God wants to have with you. You want to get your life cleaned up? Sit at the table because that's where it takes place. Not at your table, but his. And so if that's you this morning, maybe, maybe you're here, maybe you're online, wherever you're at, it's real easy to accept the invitation. It's really easy. It's just simply saying, Father, I love you. Father, I thank you that you have prepared a table for me. We even look at Psalms 23, a table that you have prepared in the presence of my enemies. What's he saying? What's David saying? He's saying, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of when people are coming after me, I can still sit at your table because you prepared it. But Jesus, I want to accept your invitation to the table. I know I've messed up. I know I've done things I shouldn't have done. And I've fallen short. And so, Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you come and allow me to sit at your table? And in that, begin to work things in me, change me from the inside out. Make me yours. Because I accept that you are who you say you are. I believe that you died and you rose again from my sin so that I could come and sit at your table. So I proclaim that you are Lord and you are Savior. And I thank you. For others of us, we've kind of turned into grazers at God's table. Maybe that's a good way to put it. We kind of sit down when things go rough and we have that moment with God. It's kind of, you know, kind of foxhole Christianity. I, I've heard it used that term, you know. I don't know if that's a good term, but you know what I mean. 
where when things go bad, we, we, we quickly run to the table. Okay, God, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. I'll, I'll eat, I'll eat, I'll eat, I'll eat. And then, and then things get better and we run off and do our own thing. Maybe, maybe we, God has, in his loving kindness, reminded us of that and said, hey, the dinner's ready. Come on, come sit down with me. And our response is, you know, but God, I got, I got, I got too much to do. I got, I got this to take care of. God, this is a really good thing. God, wouldn't you want me to do this? This is, this is, this is even, maybe this is even for your kingdom, God. And we start to make excuses and we miss the feast that God has prepared for us. You know, I want to encourage you to get back to the table. I want to encourage you to sit down and just allow the Lord to just lavish you with his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his, his wisdom and his understanding and his love. Because the great thing is, is man, no matter how long you sit at the table, you never fall. There's just more and more and more and more and more that God wants to pour into you. So no matter where you're at this morning, I think we all need to come to the same place. And that is, it's time to sit at the table again with Jesus. So no matter where you are, I want to challenge you this morning to make that commitment. To say, God, I'm going to be at your table again. I'm going to experience the closeness that comes from being at your table with you and allow you to take those moments to change everything in my life. So Jesus, we come to you right now. Let's all stand. We come to you right now, Father, as we kind of close this service. And Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace. God, I thank you that, that in a lot of ways, all the other world's religions, if you really break them down in this context, it's all about you preparing the right table and, and whatever God they're worshiping. If you've done it just right, if you've prepared just the right meal, if, you've, if you have the linens folded just in the right position and, and, and all the soup spoons and, and the salad spoons and the salad, everything's just situated perfectly, then maybe, just maybe, God will show up and sit with you until you do something crazy like use your dessert spoon or your dessert fork for your salad and then they're gone. Christianity is so different because in it, God, you have provided the feast. You have provided everything. Everything is ready. You just simply invite us to come and sit and feast with you. So God, whether we've never done it, and today we began to pray that prayer that and we began to come in, or whether we have and we've grazed, or maybe we haven't been at the table in a long time. We've let other things kind of busy us and we've missed it. Wherever we're at, Father, Father, I pray that for every individual here and online that can hear my voice, they will be sitting at your table today. In some ways, because they're here and online, they, they are in some ways, but it's not just about sitting at your table on Sunday. It's about, in a lot of ways, living there every day. So God, help us.
Help us. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for making it all ready. Help us now to accept it and enjoy being around the table with you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, not that this magically happened because I'm not that good, but we are getting ready to go to Jason's Deli and sit around a table with each other and enjoy fellowship and time. If you don't have anything going on, we'd love to have you join us. If not, hopefully we'll see you really soon. Remember, ladies, the group uh, study is this Thursday. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.